All right, legends. Welcome back, dude, to yet another episode of Get Around Me. What a time it is to be alive, truly. And I mean that this week much, much less than other weeks. A <laughs> little bit low on the old serotonin this week, team. Synapses not exactly firing. Unfortunately, I engaged in some light narcotic use over the weekend with some of Rowan's more boisterous mates. I got on the back end of a Bucks party I was not invited to, and now I appear to be paying the price as though I were part of the core group itself. So pretty embarrassing to say I'm, I'm scat from a Bucks I was not actually a part of, but I'm a social man. I love camaraderie, and I'm not going to apologize for that. So not heaps of dopamine coming into the old stew this week, but Australia's won a World Cup, so as if I'm going to miss this one. We've never missed a Thursday before. And we never will again. So, what a threat to start the pod. <laughs> oh, my Lord. You know when you scat, but you forget you are? Like, I was walking to this gig yesterday in Alexandria. Just a pretty average industrial area. Alexandria. Industrial areas. People who are low on serotonin should not be allowed in areas with heaps of warehouses and zero vibe. I need to be in a very vibe-heavy atmosphere to sort of push me back into the back end of this week. And I found myself just listening to Paramore on repeat, which I haven't listened to Paramore in a couple of years, so it was great to be back. Something in my brain said, Bill, only Haley can fix this one, brother. Haley will get you back on track here. And that she did, but really, industrial areas, stay away from them unless your mental health is at absolute peak. It was like cloudy... There's just no one around, warehouses. I was doing a gig at this brewery in Alexandria. I don't know what it is with breweries. Their business plan appears to be to open a bar up in a shed in the middle of nowhere and hope to God that bearded men love pale ales with so much venom that they'll trek to literally anywhere to get them. Because I've never been to a brewery that's even close to literally anything. The only thing breweries are close to are like, I don't know, men's rights meetings or something. They're the weirdest locations, these breweries. I did a brewery in Wollongong last week. At least it was advertised as Wollongong. It was about three stops past Wollongong in Unandera. Unandera. I don't even know how to pronounce it. And then it was like a 20-minute walk into this weird industrial area for this gig. And the gig was good or whatever. It's great times. Had a couple of free pale ales and a pizza. And you do get your money's worth as a comedian at these breweries because let's say you're allotted two free beers for your troubles. You can have, you know, two of the Nitro Heart Starters, 12.4%. And this guy's only given me two pints, but the joke's on him because I'm blind, okay? So I do appreciate how aggressive some of the beers are, but yeah. We're in literally the middle of nowhere, like past Wollongong. And the guy's like, yeah, they've just been having a bit of trouble getting people to the brewery. They've been putting on events and stuff. But yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is. The beer's good, mate. Cold beer and pizza, mate. What else do people want? I don't know. I think they want to go have a beer without feeling like they're in like True Detective Episode 6 or something. Do you know what I mean? I want to know that like 
if my phone runs out of battery, I'm not going to maybe die because I wanted to have a pale ale on a Wednesday night. I'm telling you, the first bloke to open a brewery within two minutes of literally anything is going to be the richest bloke on planet Earth. I don't know if, if I don't know what the deal is there, but yeah, I've been doing a few gigs in breweries the last week. I've had three of them and they've all been middle of nowhere jobs. I got heckled by a dog at this one in Wollongong. Firstly, the dog tried to eat my pizza before the gig, which, do you know what I mean? I wasn't into his bowl, so you stay out of mine. And then I'm doing my opening joke to the 23 bearded men in this brewery, and the dog gets on stage with me, which is an absolute, you may as well have like Mother Teresa storm the stage at that point. It was a beautiful chalky lab with a fantastic nature, and I don't care if this dog is literally screaming the N-word at you. You cannot have a go at a dog and come out on top. As I found out, I said, someone get this fucking stupid dog off the stage. And I found out quickly the dog actually had a much stronger fan base than I did at this Wollongong brewery. So, yeah, I've been a bit all over the gaff, ups and downs, heckled by a dog in the middle of nowhere, middling out with pale ales in hands, having a great time. So, here we come with today's episode. A lot of cricket chat on the back end, which I'm pumped for. And I'm excited, dude. I'm excited. I will say, before I jump off this brewery thing, this Wollongong brewery, dude, I saw a guy with a hair transplant there. Are we even going to start talking about what is going on with blokes' lids out there? These hair transplants are getting out of control. I thought you could only get a really good hair transplant if you had a role on Fox footy. I thought you had to have a broadcast media career to access the top tier lids that Braith and Astor and co are trotting out week in, week out. But dude, I saw just a normal guy. I, I don't know what his job was. He wasn't overly good looking and just an unbelievable lid. And one of the comedians crowd worked him and he said it was a, a hair transplant. And this is like one of the most unbelievable lids I've seen. Like you wouldn't have known it. And I thought, dude, honestly, what is going on with these lids? I honestly think if men defeat balding once and for all, the battle of the sexes will be over. If, if men defeat balding, the gender pay gap will never be closed. Women will never get equal pay. Men will become too powerful if everyone's rocking around with just a crazy lid at like 47, you know? Confidence will be too high. Not to mention blokes are finding out about vegetables and ice baths and stuff. You couple that with an unbelievable lid. It's going to be a scary, scary future for women if blokes conquer balding. Because what I'm seeing out there, you should have seen this bloke's shoulder blades. They were grinding together as he walked to the bar to get another nitro heart starter. I've never seen anything like this. Marriage as we know it may cease to exist going forward. Because I do think, you know, I do think a, a big part of marriage is that the man becomes like a sort of a mildly bald, unfuckable blob in his 50s. Do you know what I mean? If blokes stay rootable into their 40s, 50s, and God forbid their 60s, it's going to be out of control, dude. Husbands at the moment, they're like, by the time they hit their 50s, they're like rescued zoo animals that have been in captivity for too long. Just whipping around in like a piping hot button-up and sandals. You know what I mean? It's like a, a koala that has no claws left to climb a tree. You can't whip them back out into the wild. They'll die in seconds. 
They haven't cooked themselves a meal in 23 years. They don't even know how to book their own dentist appointments. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of like they've got nowhere to go. If that guy is all of a sudden got a freaking unbelievable lid on him, which I assume would the confidence would leak through his scalp into other parts of his life. I don't know, dude. I think, you know, when you meet those tradie blokes who are like, oh, mate, you know, the blokes who brag about how much rooting they would have done if they never got married. You know, those blokes who are like, oh, mate, you blokes and your Tinder. <laughs> mate. If we had Tinder when I was in my 20s, oh, mate. <laughs> you, know when, you know when blokes start thinking about all the hypothetical routing they would have done if they had Tinder and they just start turning into like a Disney Pixar character from Finding Nemo? What's the, the Finding Nemo character that's just like, ha, oh. <laughs> whatever that one is. Imagine those blokes are like, oh, mate, I would have done so much rooting back in the day if we had Tinder. Imagine that bloke now at 47 has an unbelievable lid. You're telling me he's not leaving the missus at a moment's notice? Do you know what I mean? It will be out of control, dude. We're pretty much depending on these blokes to just become bald, unfuckable blobs. Marriage till death do we part. I mean, marriage is already a bit of a joke anyway, really. This isn't like 1943 where it was like, till death do we part, and they meant it. These days, people are already saying, till death do we part, lol. <laughs> I mean, unless literally anything happens. Till death do we part, unless we encounter a minor hardship or something goes wrong, you know, can always back out of this. I've backed out of an anytime fitness gym membership. I, I'm pretty sure it'll be easier to back out of a marriage. I'm not sure what the ending to this is or why I brought it up, but I'm just telling you that average men are now getting crazy lids. And I really worry about what that, that's going to do to the fabric of our society. Society's not built to have 53-year-old men looking extremely fuckable at all times. The dad of two is now getting hit on at the pub. You think he's going to resist that after 14 scones? It's something to think about at the very least. Anyway, I apologize for that. Let's get into some yarns from the week that was, missions before treats, as it were. So, Saturday, Macca and Adzi back on the scene, my mate Jack Wilson as well. I borrowed Rowan's uh, Toyota Prado, the big, the big boss, and uh, whipped back over to the northern beaches. First time I've driven a car in about four months. Haven't driven a car in four months. I was in a Toyota Prado in the Sydney CBD, and I was furious in about seven seconds flat like just furious dude i couldn't believe it okay i actually thought it really brought out the worst in me and i was feeling a bit aggressive as well because in the six months i've been off the roads i've got like nine points back between you me and the tree i don't know if i told you guys this but i've i was on two demerit points since about september last year and it really does curb your attitude on the road okay I, st I stopped throwing the back out on the old Mazda Metro coming around turns when you've only got two points left. It becomes way less Tokyo Drift when the New South Wales government is watching you like a fucking hawk. So now I've gone from a hatchback with two points left to a massive fuck-off four-wheel drive with all my points. And my attitude reflected it, okay? 
So pick pick the lads up from the north. Come back here. We're going to see Andrew Schultz uh, in Sydney. Andrew Schultz, one of my favorite comedians. And I've been watching Schultzy since he was like not that big. Some of my favorite comedians now, they're massive, but I've liked them since they were not that massive, which is like super cool, super satisfying. Imagine if like five years from now, the West Tigers like make the top eight. Imagine how one of their fans would feel. They'd feel like, wow, I really, I've really been on the journey. Now, obviously, that's a wild hypothetical, and I don't want to get too far off track with these wild conspiracy theories. But that's how I felt, okay? So, just absolutely sessioning our face off uh, here at the pad. I pretty much became the very bloke I hate at my own shows in that I had about 14 beers and the rest of it before going to see a comedy show. The, the difference is that I know I, I would never, ever, ever, ever yell something out at a comedy show, whereas for whatever reason, other blokes who've had the 14th schoon don't appear to have the same morals as me. But regardless, dude, we had so much fun, uh, went to a couple of pubs. I will say, just a quick side sidebar here, we ran into a couple of girls we know, and uh, they're absolutely lovely, chatting to them for about 10, 15 minutes or whatever. Not even that, probably seven minutes. I was trying to impress you. But my mate Wills called this girl chaotic and I've never seen a comment land like this in my life. Like if you are talking to a girl you're flirting with or maybe you're not flirting with, maybe you want to get under someone's skin, call call them chaotic. My God, I've never seen a person short circuit like this. It was absolutely wild. So that's one to keep up your sleeve if you're ever getting maybe up against it at a local pub trying to talk to a, a lady and maybe... She's not taking you as seriously as you would like. Subtly drop that she's extremely chaotic. And for whatever for whatever reason, it, it could affect her. Okay, I'm not sure why. I think chaotic's actually a massive compliment. I like my chicks chaotic. If you're not... I want my, my women double dipped in a bit of chaos and just enough mental illness where it's cute. Okay? I thought it was a compliment. This woman did not think so. And it could be one to keep up your sleeve going forward. I don't know if, what people think of that word, but apparently it's a, it's really a one to get under someone's skin, as it were. Anyway, so we go to the Aware Super Theatre, which is, I've never even heard of this place before in my life. 7,000 people were at this thing. It was like seeing Eminem, okay? And the clientele was pretty similar as well. A lot of Westies, a lot of half-sleeves, a lot of, lot of chicks doled up. It was actually great to see people really treating the arts with some respect. There was a lot of eyebrow slits, but there was a lot of there was a lot of people really dressed up to the nines as well. So very cool crowd. And Schultzy did not have me open this time, which I was filthy about. I messaged him on Instagram, but I think maybe the Wi-Fi has been down in New York for the last nine months. I'm not sure. You'll have to ask him. I don't know if anyone's aware of this because I did tell this story on the podcast, but it was like episode 37 or something. But last time Andrew Schultz was in town, I'll just briefly retell this one. I did actually get to open for him. This was back when he was playing to like 800 people. So it was when he was just starting to blow up. Like he had his first YouTube clips that were going really well. He started clip culture. The reason you see all these stand-up clips on the internet is because of Andrew Schultz. Before that, you could wait for Showtime to give you an hour or at the ABC, or whoever it may be. And apart from that, you pretty much just 
I don't know, worked in a bowling alley until you got discovered. So Schultz was the first bloke to say, fuck this. I'll just throw it on YouTube and in smaller bites. And it turned out to be a genius move and look at him now. But yeah, last time I went to see Andrew Schultz, I ended up opening for him. So what happened was the guy who was touring Andrew Schultz, I actually knew because I used to open for his other acts. Like he was representing Isaac Butterfield and Luke Kidgel at the time and Lewis Spears at the time and a few other, all those sort of guys. And uh, I would open for all those guys. And I still open for Luke. And um, I mean, I would still open for Lewis if he ever came to town. But uh you know, whatever. I was opening for them quite regularly at the time. And oh yeah, so I called him and said, mate, it's probably one of the most forward things I've ever done. I was like, mate, I'm a massive Andrew Schultz fan. I would love to open for him. I'd be perfect for this, yeah? And he was like, yep, Bill, I totally agree. You would be perfect for it, which is why I've gone ahead and booked Neil Kohaka instead. I respected the booking. Neil's much bigger than me and a great comedian. Took that. I said, what about a free ticket? He said, we'll think about it. Unfortunately, the free ticket didn't make it my way either. I purchased a full price ticket. I head to the show with Pat Doherty about three hours early. Once again, I'll have to come out as extremely, uh, just extremely alpha behavior for me. I nailed about mm, 14 drinks before the show. Very, very excited. Like probably the most excited I've been to see a comedian ever was seeing Andrew Schultz the first time. Anyway, so we go in hit the merch stand like it owes me money okay get the merch got a beer in each hand so hammered ready i'm sitting in the second row so excited okay the show's starting at 7 30 it gets like eight o'clock i'm like oh this is vintage show business leave them waiting you know leave them wanting more schultzy i love it i'm foaming at the fucking mouth in the second row dude anyway I get a text uh, from the guy who was uh, touring him and he he calls me and he goes, how drunk are you right now? And I immediately knew what he was talking about and I go, brother, I've had two beers, don't even worry about it. And he was not maybe the socially friendliest bloke at the time. He said, if you fuck this up, you'll never work with me again. And I was like, okay, <laughs> You know what I mean? I mean, you could have booked me ahead of time, brother, but whatever. You know what I mean? I, I, it's not like I'm a doctor. I'm not on call. Do you know what I mean? I'm not at home waiting waiting for the call up. This is my time, as it were, and I've chosen to use that time getting unbelievably pissed with local snake Pat Doherty. So whatever. I said, mate, I've honestly had two beers, no stress. He goes, sweet, you're doing 12 minutes. Security's going to come and get you. You're on in three minutes. I go... Okay, and this is four years ago, so, you know, 800 people, it's a little bit, you know, plus opening for my hero, it's a little bit, never opened for a big American act before. There's a lot happening, okay? It's one of those things where, of course, you're going to say yes to it. I remember thinking when I was, so security come and grab me, and I remember thinking, Oh, this could go sideways here. I was drunk. I was like visibly pissed. And I remember thinking as well though, honestly, if I bomb this, whatever, because if you say no to this, you're a bitch, you know? So I go backstage. All of a sudden, I'm backstage with Schultzy and his openers. I get refunded for the merch, win of the day. So that was pretty sick, free merch. And then they're like, Bill, you're on in three minutes. Also, I was hosting the show now. 
So then I was going to go out and do 12 minutes, bring on his opener. Then I go out and I get to bring on Schultzy, which was pretty sick. So they go, Bill, can we get you anything? Uh, do you want a bottle of water? I say, lads, I'm actually very superstitious when I do my comedy. I actually always have two Red Bulls before I go out there. I go, I re- really love two Red Bulls. So they go, yeah, 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 no worries. And then I'm sort of chatting to Schultzy for a bit now. And I'm like, this is pretty cool. But I'm just really trying to seem not pissed and think about what I'm going to say. And then I'm just sculling Red Bulls, sculling them, trying to sober up. And then, and then, yeah, literally a second later, they go, welcome to the stage, Billy Darcy. Bang. I'm out there in front of 800, 12 under the belt. Nothing to it but to do it. Show went great. I got to bring Schultzy on as well, which was really cool at the time. I mean, it would still be very cool now. Um, but yeah, at the time, I was like, this is so sick. Like, I gave him such a good intro because I was like listing all his credits and shit. And, and yeah, it was so sick, dude. So that was the last time he was here four years ago. Like, yeah, 700 people to 7,000, basically. And he's doing arenas all over the world now. He sold out two Madison Square Gardens in like two hours. It's like 30,000 tickets. I mean, with those numbers, he's like top five biggest comedians on the planet. Maybe, I don't know if you even count Chris Rock and Kevin Hart. Because it's like... I mean, Kevin Hart, I'm not even sure if any... Like, he was doing 50,000-seat stadiums at one point. So, what even is that, you know? But, yeah, so I did message Schultz saying, mate, you know, if you need someone, get me back in. Unfortunately, didn't find the mark in the inbox, but that's okay. Went to the show. Dude, it was like going to see Eminem. I've never seen a comedy show this big before. Like... I've never been to an arena comedy show before. I've never seen a comedy show that's like bigger than 1,600 people or something. And dude, it was cool. Like I, it wasn't too big. The theater is fucking awesome. Like I, we were like right at the back. But when I turned around, there was like another 4,000 people behind me. And it was real steep. So you didn't feel like you were too far away from the action. And yeah, the show was so sick. You know, these American openers couple of wild boys out there up top swinging around with some uh some weird stuff but then Schultzy comes out and man it was a great show dude the whole show I mean I don't want to ruin it but his tour is over so who gives a fuck but the whole show is about him just trying to have a child like the whole hour is about him trying to have kids and it is crazy dude it's such a great show like I mean large parts of it are about cum so if you're not into that, I could see you maybe having some issues. But but yeah, it was just such a great show. Like a couple of moments where like people were like crying, dude. And then yeah, great finish. He had all this sick local stuff up top. He's always good at that. And yeah, it was just such a great show. I assume it will be like a Netflix special or some shit when the tour is over. But unbelievable show. But then we head out after that. Big night out on the town planned. We go to the Piermont Bridge Hotel, it's dead, which doesn't really matter. Like the PBH, I haven't been there in ages. Last time I was there, I saw Jared Hayne uh, there and he's now locked up in prison forever. So there's a glimpse into the timeline on that. It's been three appeals and a decision since I last went to the Piermont Bridge Hotel, which again, doesn't really affect me, but I had three of my mates out from the Northern Beaches and I was hoping to show them quite a good time. So the pressure's mounting as we sit in a dead pub at 10 p.m. on a Saturday night. 
And we're there in Darling Harbour. You could go to Cargo Bar. You could go to Bungalow 8. You could go to Home Bar. Unfortunately, did check in with myself and I wasn't a half Lebanese man on pingers. So didn't feel that those were the right venues for us. I negotiate a awful deal with a taxi. $30 to take us like just across to Surrey Hills. We go to the Beresford. Not much happening there. We went back to Surrey Hills. Couldn't get in the Strawberry Hills Hotel. Like, it was a weird night, dude. Weird night. I had the energy of a great night, but we weren't having a great night. Adzi and Welsh bail. Me and Macro try to go to Molly Malone's at midnight, maybe 1 a.m. The bouncer, I, I can't even describe how furious this makes me. We didn't get let into Molly Malone's and the place was dead. Like, fuck off with these standards when the place is dead. We weren't that drunk. Like, yeah, we were drunk, but it's like 1 a.m., dude. And I go, hey, man, how you going? And immediately is like, you have had too much alcohol. And I go, what are you talking about, mate? We can't come in for one beer. It's dead. I can see behind you the place is dead. Anyway, so that made me furious. I said, mate, you're an absolute clown. And he's like, well, there it is, brother. You have shown your true character. I go, don't hit me with this moral high ground, brother. You know, I hate it when bounces power trip on some shit when there's like six people in a dead pub and me and Macca just want to sit there having a schooner. So whatever, dude. We walk back up the road, met some bloke, Toddy, who listens to the pod. Shout out. He goes, we're going to fucking Goros or some shit. I don't even know. Revival's on. We get there. I throw about $75 down on some tequila shots and tequila sodas. Rev the boys. Me and Macca meet a couple of ladies. It's back on for young and old, one of the greatest recoveries of the 21st century, okay? At close, we're out the front. Macca, I don't want to speak out of school. Went home with a lady, okay? This is not a blue podcast where we talk all, all about all sorts of sordid, explicit details for your listening pleasure, okay? That's between Macca and his future wife. But I will say my girl, I was chatting to for a bit, uh, and great girl, absolutely outstanding. Uh, she was chatting to some bloke out the front who I thought may- was maybe some gronk who had a crush on her at some point. Again, there was some extracurricular stuff involved here. So maybe my perception of the situation wasn't as clear as it could have been. And long story short, it ended up being her brother. So that was pretty awkward because I was like, I was like, mate, what's the bloody goss here, you freaking nerd? <laughs> and he was like, I'm just her brother, just 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 hanging out and I was like oh yeah no no for sure it's great to meet you mate it's great to meet you how are things mate great night yeah great night yeah 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 so a bit of a mix up there and I ended up heading back uh alone as a result of that interaction but never fear because when I opened the door at uh, our fantastic pad here uh, I was greeted by Rowan and 10 of his mates on one of the greatest benders of all time and I stayed up till about 7 30 in the morning with them and they went for like another 10 hours. I don't know how these blokes do it. Surfies just are a different breed. I respect them. I yearn to have the sort of ticker they do. And I'm still not the same, really, if I'm being candid with me, myself, and I. So a great weekend. Andrew Schultz has still got it. Great to have Macron, Adzi, and Wills south of the bridge. And I'm so glad Macca pulled because he really saved what would have otherwise been a pretty average night I took the lads out on. So shout out to everyone involved. A great time had by all. Okay, speaking of absolute pelicans and alcoholic beverages, cowards rejoice. 
the softest drink on the planet is here. Hard Solo is in the news and it's in the hearts and minds of young men. If we're being candid, Hard Solo, it's only been on the market for maybe a few months, I want to say. I thought it got banned, but they just had to change the name recently. As they said, it was marketing to children too much. Whereas Little Fat Lamb, where it's called like Tropical Fairy Tale Surprise and these sorts of things apparently sneak under the radar. So I feel that Solo was probably a little bit hard done by here. I mean, are you telling me someone can't quench their thirst while also getting rid of their anxiety? Do you know what I mean? Where I come from, that's a two-for-one special. That's not something we should be diminishing in any way, shape, or form. But they've had to change the name. It's a big story this week as schoolies is happening right now. And apparently, they're going absolutely fucking nuts for the stuff up on the Gold Coast. And they have changed the name from Hard Solo to Hard Rated, which is definitely a cooler name. It's a pretty cool can. You know, it looks hard, the can. It looks hard in a way that you could stand at a house party with it without one of the lads calling you a gay slur. That's kind of how I would rate the hardness of the can. It looks just hard enough to distract the most toxic male for upwards of seven minutes. But yeah, hard rated. I would have called it like hard hatred or something even harder than that, you know? Something just vicious to get all my boys revved as they sink aggressive lemonades on a Friday night. But I read this article today, dude. Apparently, bottle shops on the Gold Coast for schoolies, which is on right now, literally cannot keep up with the demand. And it's exclusively men buying them. So, I don't know what's happening because if you were to drink a hard solo when I was 17, 18, the backlash would have been absolutely insane, to be honest. The gay slurs flying your way. If you were to rock up at a house party in 2010 with a six-pack of hard solo. I mean, I shudder at the thought. But it's good to see how progressive today's youth are to just drink uh, glorified lemonade and not think anything of it. I commend our young men, okay? I really do. I don't know what it is. Yeah, it's just a culture difference. We, I mean, we were drinking bourbon and Cokes when I was 17, and that was seen as like, no one really said anything about that. But if you were to have a double black, then the lads would definitely let you know about it. I mean, we were at the cafe the other week and some blokes walked past with some hard solos and I had a go at them about it. So I said, whoa, lads, don't go too hard. Am I right? You know, heavily implying I didn't think much of them as men. So eggs on my face. Apparently, they literally cannot stock the shelves quick enough at schoolies. It's just one of those things when you're 17, for whatever reason, if you just get through like 12 beers one day, you'll be set for life and you'll skip diabetes at the same time. I don't know what it is. For some reason, only White Claw has worked out how to put alcohol in a can without like a toxic amount of sugar to go with it. It's very bizarre. Like surely you would think now that White Claws are a thing, it would be like, all right, sweet. Now they've worked it out. Let's just make mixed drinks that don't give you diabetes immediately. Like when I would drink like bourbon and Cokes or like Summersby ciders when I was like 17, it felt like I would got like knives in my stomach after like five of them. Just the amount of sugar in your system was absolutely rancid, dude. I don't know how people do it. It's weird with beers. One day a beer just hits your lips when you're like 18 and you just go, holy fucking shit, that tastes unbelievable. Do you know what I mean? And I don't know why that happens. I think maybe 
you have to have done a hard day's work or had your heart broken or something to unlock the true taste of beer. I read they are selling 244 packs every 20 minutes on the Gold Coast. Just endless amounts of hard solos. Seems like hard solo is the new Pulse or the new Cruiser. The boys are going nuts on the Gold Coast. And I just wanted to give a quick shout out to all the young soldiers up there and wish them the best. Okay, stay safe, stay strapped. Now, up next, speaking of hard, we must talk about the hardest blokes to ever live. The project for this week is going to be all about the Australian cricket team because it's one of the great achievements. They've won the World Cup. But not only that, they've won the World Cup beating India in India which is pretty much as sick as it gets. So here we bloody go. Okay, so before we go any further, I better come clean. And it's not something I need to admit that I haven't previously said, but yeah, I wasn't overly red hot on the World Cup when it first started, just because I haven't really watched a game of one-day cricket in about 12 years. The last one-day cricket game I watched was the 2007 Tri-Series between Sri Lanka, England, and Australia. It was a fantastic series, and... I'll always look back on it with a lot of fond memories, but I really haven't watched One Day Cricket since. I just think it's dead. And and here's the thing, dude, is I was watching it for years and they killed it with all these like 10 match series that didn't mean anything. So my passion for the One Day format has waned over the years. The World Cup came around this year at a pretty favorable time slot and I thought, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll, I'll get into it more, more in the, the round of 16 quarterfinal type stage. I didn't realize that the group stage was sort of 48 games and everyone plays each other twice and it goes for four months. So so I really dropped the ball there. I kept waiting for the group stage to wrap up. It never did. And I missed some absolute bangers, really. That's the other thing is there wasn't a lot of 240 plays 230 in this World Cup, which was so electric. We had a lot of like 360 plays 330. I don't really know why anyone who's eight years old starting the game of cricket would even attempt to become a bowler. What is the point? I have no idea what the point of being a bowler is in any form of the game, really. You get to play the Ashes once every four years, and that's about it. But yeah, there was some absolutely electric one-day cricket played this tournament. It helps that, you know, when you're in India, sometimes the decks are just so, so, so flat. And at the same time, I'm sort of a toxic cricket fan where I'm like, oh, I don't want to see just the flattest decks ever. But at the same time, when I'm seeing Mitch Marsh hit a bomb over cover, there is nothing wrong with that, dude. There is nothing wrong with that at all. And to beat India in India is huge. And I just love it because of how toxic their fans are. They're like children, their fans, dude. I've never seen... I saw Michael Vaughan wrote an article. He said, is there any fans more passionate than Indian cricket fans, like across all sports? Is there any country that is more passionate about their team? Passion is the wrong word. Do you know what I mean? Passion is the word that a defense attorney uses describing his client who, like, killed his wife after some big argument. You know, your honor, it was a crime of passion. Like, these are some of the most toxic pelicans that's ever lived, these Indian cricket fans. Make no mistake, okay? I'm seeing the word passion used a lot to describe these blokes, and I'm not sure it's the correct word. But we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. The, the World Cup final itself, let's talk about it. Old Pat Cummins, Pat Stones Cummins. The, <laughs> this guy, man, 
I just don't even know what more he can do to gain the respect of the three balding News Corp journalists that still cover this sport. Bold first in India against India, who've been battering everyone into next week. You're thinking, fuck, dude, if we can keep these blokes to anything under 360, we'll be looking all right. Because our batting lineup is also extremely explosive. But my God, the stones on Pat Cummins to say, we're going to bowl first. Come and get it, lads. I love that, dude. Okay? And then you're seeing Rohit Sharma just go nuts. And you're thinking, Pat Cummins is going to be harangued in the Daily Telegraph tomorrow like you would not believe. Rohit Sharma is like, I actually love that bloke. He's like an old school talent. He's not in shape. You cannot tell me that guy would be hitting double figures on a beep test. He's not even, he can't even really be fucked to move his feet that much. But my God, dude, Rohit Sharma, he hits some shots. These, Rohit Sharma gets under balls that you wouldn't think most people would be able to get under. It's absolutely unbelievable. And the crowd, 100,000 people, like, when, I would say Indian fans are passionate when things are going their way. You know, great crowd, as long as in everything goes India's way. I've never heard a cricket crowd that loud before. It was absolutely electric, dude. And we just bowled so well. And I don't know, we just kept taking wickets. It was weird. Like, there were times when I was like, man, India are really on a fucking roll here. You know, Kohli was going pretty well. And we just kept taking wickets. Zam's bowled pretty All our bowlers just bowled so well, dude. Unbelievable stuff, lads. And then Travis Head comes out. Now, I'm just going to get in front of this because I'm still getting messages about this shit. Okay, yes, like three years ago, I said Travis Head. I didn't say he's trash, but I I just said I wasn't loving his test match batting at the time. This is like literally 2021 or something, okay? Now, to be fair, the guy has gone on to average like 80 in every format since. So to say I've got egg on my face is like beyond the pale. Do you know what I mean? Like I could have four dozen eggs on my face and I would say this probably still doesn't, this isn't really enough dairy to fully represent how hard Travis Head has mugged me off. Okay. The problem with me trying to talk about Travis Head is I can't relate to him because I don't have any talent. So when he's just like not moving his feet, slashing balls on the up through cover point against like a brand new ball, Boomer is moving it around. My untalented, stupid brain is like, oh, that's not what a wisdom cricket manual from 1948 tells you to do. That's not the footwork Don Bradman said everyone should have during the Second World War. Oh, that must not work, okay? So I can't relate to it. I don't understand it, all right? Obviously, I've got a fairly good understanding of it in the last three years as this guy has just played some of the most ridiculous innings we've ever seen. I still maintain his test 100 in Hobart in the Ashes three, four years ago, whatever it was. is like probably the most ridiculous innings I've ever seen on that green top down there. The guy's an absolute freak. Couple that with just some of... He's just got so much dog in him, okay? I just love him. And the thing with Travis Head is he just commits. He doesn't get out like half... Like when he does get out, it's, he's fucking really swinging, which I love. You know, he's got his zones, he's going, if it's up, I'm I'm driving hard. And if it's short, I'm pulling and cutting your fucking face off. I still maintain, like, even middle stump is too much, too much width for Travis Head. 
You could bowl middle and leg to Travis Head and still see the ball disappear through backward point, probably for six, okay? The guy is a freak. He's an absolute freak. Um, a couple other shout-outs here. Shout-out to our boy, Marnus. He's been on the outer of the one-day squad for a couple of years, really, and I personally don't care about one-day cricket at all, but I read a few interviews with Marnus, and he was talking about the one-day team like his wife left him. He was like, it keeps me up at night that I'm not there with my boys. I, I haven't been up to scratch and I know it, you know? He was just shattered. So, and you know, Marnus Labashane, he's a man of faith. He's not up at night having a whis- whiskey, chilling out. He doesn't blaze away his problems like a local coward, okay? He's up, he's up at night, stone cold sober, thinking about what to do in the 43rd over. Should he still be knocking it around or is it time to launch? These are the things that keep Marnus up at night. And I was so pumped to see him get 50-odd not out and really play a big part in the win. You know, test champs, <clears throat> excuse me. Excuse me, my voice is breaking because I'm so proud of my fucking boys right now. But yeah, test champs, Ashes, World Cup. News Corp, put the guns down, okay? We now roll into what is essentially an extended celebration summer against the West Indies and Pakistan. I am exclusively a Test Cricket fan, and I honestly think we should cancel these matches, have all the Australian players just play Big Bash, and the Australian government should do some sort of initiative where they like pump money into Sportsbet to give the boys really favorable odds on same-game multis for the Big Bash. That's what I think. I think we should all go out to North Sydney Oval and watch Steve Smith, David Warner, Manus, Usman... All the boys play. I think we should get really great odds on Big Bash same game multis and we should just bask in this for as long as we can. Okay? The West Indies and Pakistan, God bless, they are not real cricket teams. I honestly think, keep in mind, at my peak, I was a very average second grade player. I think, honestly, if you really tuck me into a coward spot, batting number six, day two, four for 300 against Pakistan, Adelaide Oval, I honestly think I could get 75. And I'm not even I'm not even joking. Okay? Just give me a couple of days to get get up to speed as far as like the speed of the ball coming to me. I dare say like a morbidly obese bus driver could get 100 in those circumstances. I do not respect those nations as cricketing powerhouses regardless of the history they cling on to. So, really looking forward to just giving our boys a big, warm six-week hug this summer as we watch will essentially be center wicket practices where you can buy a ticket and watch and the boys are going to put on their uniforms and really pretend it's a real game. So that's going to be pretty exciting. couple more shout-outs. Uh, Mitch Marsh, it's great to see him just get his flowers as like a proper Australian cricket, I don't know, not legend of the game, but, you know, just a gun, you know, like he's just a freak. He's another guy where he just hits some shots where I go, when Mitch Marsh hits balls over mid-off for six with these levers, he's like blokes didn't used to hit the ball like that. He's playing in a way that's only been accessed in the last six or so years. It's quite incredible to watch. And then our little, our little goblin from the West, the guy who you probably wouldn't want to have dinner with, but fuck yeah, if, we're, if our backs are up against the wall, I want this bloke swinging, okay? 
on the inside, working the body as only the great man himself can. David Warner had a fantastic World Cup. I don't care if he gets a golden duck in every single innings of the Test Series. He is walking off the SCG at the end of the summer, retiring on his own terms, okay? If they play Matt Renshaw or Cam Bancroft, just because they've been getting runs in the uh, whatever's left of the Sheffield Shield, no. Davey Warner is going out on his own terms, okay? No matter what. I just want to see it. I think he's earned it. Let him bloody have it. Love him, okay? Love him, love him, love him. And yeah, that's that, dude. I was wrong about World Cups. This one was pretty sick. Our win over South Africa in the semis was pretty sick as well. And yeah, I mean, I did say this when I was talking about the World Cup at the very start that on paper, because when I clocked into the World Cup, the press around the team was very negative. You know, a lot of like, I think it was when we just lost to India and the press was very negative. We can't do this. We can't do that. And looking back at that pitch, we played India on the first time. I mean, that was fucking insane, dude. Stuff was turning around the corner. But the press was very negative. I did say at the time, I said, look, I honestly have not watched a one-day game in five years. But I did say, looking at our team on paper, this has got to be one of the most ridiculous one-day teams of all time we've ever fielded. And like the selection dilemmas we found ourselves in were pretty crazy. Like Usman Khawaja doesn't even get a look in, dude. Like Usman Khawaja is a fantastic one-day cricketer. But, you know, Manus, Cam Green, in and out of the team, like... These are crazy problems to have. And uh, so I think the team on paper was good enough to do it and they bloody did it. So shout out. I will say, yeah, India, like the culture of Indian cricket fans is like, look, you don't want to get too in the weeds with this because it can become really toxic and hateful. But like, dude, Indian fans, it's just like a game. Like they've been sending death threats to Australian players players' wives, Australian journalists. I mean, we've all read a News Corp article and thought, let me get this guy's Twitter handle and send him what I really think. But boys, you must restrain your Twitter fingers for half a second. And I will say like Indian cricket fans, like, I don't know. It's it's a tough one because like a lot of these guys live in poverty and stuff and I don't, you can't really relate to how they live. Uh, two people are dead following the loss. I'm not even making that up. Uh, yeah, the torrent of abuse the players and more shockingly, the players' wives have been getting. Dude, even Higo from the great cricketer got a thing being like, rah, 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 like all this like racial stuff, like you white dog, kill yourself. I hope all of your planes crash. Like this sort of stuff, like, and I'm not saying this is all Indian cricket fans, but it's like bloody hell, lads, you know? It was a great tournament. You guys were the team of the tournament. You choked again in the final. Whatever. I don't know. Like, call me a bit more of a traditional fan, but in Australia and other countries around the world, when our team chokes, we turn the gun on our own players. Okay? Ask some England football players who lost that penalty shootout in the Euros. Ask if the other team got any death threats from the English media. Ask Saka who missed that penalty in the Euro semis or the final. Check his inbox and see if it was the other team that got the death threats. Okay? Lads, you're supposed to abuse the guys that choke. You're not supposed to abuse the wife of the guy who got 130 off 120 rocks. That's not how you do death threats, okay? I just think if the Indian public are going to be this hateful and this toxic and take it this seriously, have the common courtesy to turn the gun on the people who are causing you to feel this way. 
you know? I don't know, okay? I don't want to get too into that because it's honestly crazy, but yeah, I feel like Indian cricket fans, yeah, like lads, I love it, but we probably just have a bit more of a laugh with it if you can, you know? I'm not sure. Uh, That is the podcast for this week. Um, Me and Rowan did record an episode this week. It was honestly unreleasable. We were so scat. It was just me and him like talking to each other about like really nothing. Uh, Yeah. They're like long periods of silence where we just looked at each other, not blinking. Bit of a shocker. Next week in a new studio, uh, got Rowan and a guest. It's going to be really fun. So sorry about the last two weeks missing out on Rowan. I hope you still enjoyed the pod regardless. And next week, we're in a studio with a guest and really looking forward to it. So here's hoping, okay? Anyway, guys, uh, oh yeah, I'm releasing a few stand-up clips. If you want to get around those, check them out. And apart from that, I appreciate you guys listening. A few three or four podcasts left to finish the year. We'll be doing the annual Drunk Christmas episode, December 14 or so, I think. Might tell some old school yarns from the, the, the original days of Get Around Me. I'm talking pre-episode 100, so let me know if there's any yarns you want to hear. But apart from that, yeah, have a sick one, guys. Way too long, way too long. Yeah, and I can see the ground now, I'm way too gone, way too gone.